so I started dating a new boy. Which is I heard he hasn't murdered me yet, so he's one of the good ones. Because that's he's past the the first obstacle. <laughs> that's where the bar is <laughs> in society. <laughs> no, he's good. It's funny because so. For those of our listeners who have listened to the podcast extensively, I had two partners for a long time, Zach and Rick, and Zach and I broke up, oh, like a month ago now, would you say, roughly? It's been a bit. Yeah. And I thought it would be cool to just, like, stay kind of monogamous with Rick for a while. And, I mean, like, Rick's a great dude, but it became apparent pretty fast that I was like, yeah, I'm not monogamous. I need more than one partner. <laughs> In particular, because Rick is really busy with his thesis right now, so he, he doesn't have a ton of time. Yeah, I have I have needs I need fulfilled, so we, we hit the dating game. It was shockingly easy. Like, in part, <laughs> it is due to the fact that we are ending a pandemic, and a lot of people are just kind of coming out of the woodworks right now. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I met, like, a lot of people who I was like very compatible with very quickly. The guy I have been seeing for the last week-ish, I think has been my favorite so far. Josh is lovely. We like Josh. He has a similar career to me. He's very intelligent, very, very well spoken, thoughtful. We have a lot of things in common, like a lot of like really odd, surprising things. Like we just discovered yesterday, we're both doing Invisalign, which is really funny. (laughs) Invisalign looks so fucking obvious because I have these two little like things that stick out on my front teeth so i think that like everybody can tell i'm wearing them um, <laughs> but whenever i tell people i have invisalign they're like oh i didn't notice and i'm like how do you not notice i think it's so obvious but like we're all our own <laughs> worst critics i was talking about how i had just put in a new invisalign tray and he was like oh you're doing invisalign and i was like yeah and he was like i am too like see the things on my teeth and i was like oh, <laughs> i hadn't even noticed you were also doing it so yeah we're all our own worst critics and clearly the invisalign is not as obvious as i thought it was but he said the same thing where he thought the Invisalign looked really obvious and he actually had taken it out for our first couple of dates. But then when he put it in, I I had, I did not see a difference. So. Well, didn't you also say, I thought you mentioned Josh and then isn't there another person besides Rick that you're seeing? Oh, yeah. There is another guy that I slept with over the weekend, but he, uh, he doesn't count. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's a dude that I, um, I used to make out with him a bunch several years ago and he was just like a for fun good kisser like he's not he's not like my type which is my nice way of saying he's not very smart and um, (laughs) he's a good kisser though so we used to make out when he lived here but then he moved away and he just moved back apparently fairly recently so I hooked up with him over the weekend since he's back now but yeah even after hanging out with him for one day I was like yeah you're really pretty (laughs) (laughs) just not not quite all there but it's okay I'm Jen. I'm Liz. And we're Harmless Harlots. What does that mean? To us, it means being open to having more than one relationship, however you define it, as long as everyone gives fully informed, enthusiastic consent. It's also an homage to our Polly Bible, The Ethical Slut, which we recommend if you want to learn more. We are enthusiasts, not experts in this field. So if you want to learn and explore along with us, we give you our knowing, enthusiastic consent to come along. Yeah, uh, other fun thing. So Josh and I have been doing a lot of like datey activities, which is cool because like in COVID, Rick and I haven't. Is been... he fully vaxxed? Yes, he's fully vaccinated. Yeah, but Rick and I haven't been able to do a lot of like datey type things, which like I don't usually do datey type things because I typically, you know, don't have very formal traditional relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I haven't done a lot of like normal date activities. And it's funny, there was actually one time I remember I was talking to Rick and I think we were talking, we had done something that was mildly datey. And I was like, that was kind of fun. I don't like go on dates. And he was like, yeah, if it wasn't COVID, like we would be doing that. And I was like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah, like I I do like dates, like, you know, (laughs) rock climbing and going to movies and going to dinner. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really do those things, but yeah, that'd be fun. Like once COVID's over, we could do that. But again, Rick's been super busy with his thesis and stuff. So Josh and I are doing fun dating things like rock climbing and going out to restaurants and bars and stuff. We're still being mildly safe because it's kind of weird with COVID. Like I don't want to be in like huge crowds unmasked, even though we're both vaccinated. So it's probably fine, but I'm still like a little nervous about it. So like mm-hmm. when we went to a restaurant for dinner, we like sat in the corner by ourselves um, and we went rock climbing. The place still wanted us to wear masks. So we did. But yeah, it's been fun doing like date activities. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, he's a good dude. I like him so far. 
yeah, it's only been I like am. a week so i mean <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to get like too excited but he seems fun he's also very so, polyamory which is good because i brought that up on our very first good. date and i'm i'm always nervous when i do that especially because people's first question is always like well do you have a partner now and i'm always like yeah and i know that's gonna freak you out but like yes um but he was like totally cool with it he was like yeah no it's fine he also like initiated a lot of like really good conversations about like what do you want in the long term and like where is this going and like what are you looking for and what are your preferences and things that like I don't know I feel like in most of my relationships I've been the one to like initiate those conversations and it was kind of nice to be like ah look at this person doing the emotional labor that I usually do Uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm good. You met him on Bumble, right? Yes, I love Bumble. Bumble is my fave. I have done other dating apps, and I think Bumble <laughs> is like the only one I've ever actually like met people off of. But so I I dabbled on Bumble, but I've kind of fallen back on Hinge. But on Bumble, is it just that people? Because I know it's like the woman initiates the conversation, but like to indicate that they like you. Does a guy or a girl or a someone just give you a like or can they comment and then it's your choice whether to respond or not? Uh, no, on Bumble, it's just you like a profile. That's not a hinge is the one where you like a specific aspect of their profile. See, that's why I like hinge because I'm terrible at starting conversations. <laughs> so on Bumble, I would just be like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Because I I don't know I like literally all the only people I respond to on Hinge are the ones who like make a comment on something and then I'm like okay here's a way to start a conversation <laughs> otherwise I'm like what the fuck do you say I don't know yeah. Bumble Bumble was built for extroverted women which I am very much so Bumble <laughs> works for me but I do I do empathize that if you don't like starting conversations it would be hard but no I similarly have noticed I never deleted Hinge well I deleted it once and then re-downloaded it because I was bored but I have noticed that recently it has been popping up off a lot as people are getting vaccinated or just incredibly bored i mean do you you said you brought it up on the first date but you don't you have polly on your profile as well yeah i do yeah okay and yeah. I, I think that's why it came up on the first date because he asked about it yeah. he said like oh i saw on your profile that you're polly i do wonder like what people like it'd be interesting to see the statistics of like people who see the poly thing and then like click away because of that I would be I think, curious. I think it is a fair bit because I, I don't want to sound too full of myself, but I know it's going <laughs> to come off like that. I will say it's not me. Like I'm hot, sure, but I'm also <laughs> a woman in America dating and women are in high demand all the time. So it's, <laughs> but anyway, before I had on my profile that I was polyamorous, I will say basically every time I swiped right, it was a match, like mm -hmm. literally every time. It was rare mm -hmm. that it wasn't. And now that I have added polyamory to my profile, there are there's, it's more common that I'll swipe right and it won't be a match. Um, mm -hmm. It's still a fairly high proportion. Like I'm not, <laughs> it's fine. And it's probably weeding out people I wouldn't want to be with anyway. But yeah, I think it is a fair chunk of people that see polyamorous and are like, nope. Which is fine. I mean, honestly, I mean, that was the lesson I learned when I dated Fred was that like, as much as I thought I could make it work with a monogamous person, like you just can't like, if somebody mm -hmm. is monogamous, like they need to be with someone who's monogamous. Like, I don't know, it's so hard to tell what is nurture versus nature for polyamory, because obviously, there are people who are more highly disposed, dis disposed, dispositioned. Highly, have, a, have a higher disposition. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so it's so hard, because I feel like all if you look up the stories, then like, I feel like most stories of like monopoly people do not work out, but it's just like, it's so interesting. Cause I feel like it is highly socialized, but maybe it is just so socialized that you can't unsocialize it, but maybe it is just like another orientation, like sexuality, which I think also has, you know, some socializing in it, but I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I do agree that I think a lot of a lot of people who identify as monogamous mostly identify that way because they were socialized too. But also a fair chunk of those people are probably so ingrained into socialization that it doesn't matter that that's why they identify with it. Like they're never going to go against that grain. And, but I mean, I think there are also probably some people who are just like inherently monogamous and would even mm -hmm. in the absence of culture prefer a monogamous lifestyle. So I don't know when, I think the lesson I learned from Fred is that if somebody very strongly identifies as monogamous, it, 
don't try to convert them. Not that I ever tried to convert Fred, but I, I thought Fred and I could make it work and you, you, we just couldn't. And, and maybe that's not true of everyone. Like maybe there are people who identify as monogamous, but then when they try polyamory, realize they like it. I mean, obviously both of us used to identify <laughs> as monogamous, so it can happen. But I, I chose to put polyamory on my profile specifically because when I, when I didn't have it on there before and it came out later during when I was dating people, people reacted negatively. <laughs> so I was like, it's better just to get this out in the open so that we weed out anybody who's not okay with it early on. Yeah. And like, I don't know, it's hard, you know, those things. And then also, I don't know, just from my perspective, it's hard to not in some ways kind of pathologize and pathologize is the wrong word, but like monogamy because a lot of people when they say like oh i could never be polyamorous i in my experience the main reason has been like jealousy and like it's hard to say i don't know i've been struggling with this thing a lot with like validating people because like validation is important in most aspects but at the same time like nazism isn't valid it's not and so and so i don't know i've been struggling with that line but it's like Yes, you're feeling like feelings of jealousy are valid, but at the same time, it's like, it's not a positive feeling. And I feel like if there are ways to like work through it, then like that is good. Well, I was going to say, but I don't know, I don't know enough psychology to know like how possible and feasible it is for people to actually overcome it. Like nurture nature again. I don't know. I don't know. So here are my thoughts on feelings, and I've been through a lot of therapy about my feelings. <laughs> what my therapist always tells me is that feelings are not inherently good or bad. Having a feeling is not positive or negative. It's it's what you do with that emotion, how you channel it, how you use it hmm. that becomes positive or negative. So jealousy is not inherently a bad thing. It's how okay. you cope with it that can be good or bad. So, you know, if you have somebody and you've, you're with them and you like them and you feel jealous when they're with someone else, you need to ask yourself, why am I having this feeling? What can I do to mitigate it? Because if, if you're feeling jealousy because you don't like it when your partner is happy and it doesn't come from you, that's an issue. Like even if you're <laughs> monogamous, that's an issue because your partner needs to get happiness from other sources, not just you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, jealousy can often lead to negative reactions because it's not like a fun feeling, obviously. But I think you can cope with jealousy in healthy ways. And I think jealousy can help you grow as a person if you think about the roots of why you're feeling jealousy. Um, I think you can also channel jealousy to make you a better person. Like if you realize you're jealous because, you know, somebody else can do something you can't and you decide you want to learn to do that thing, you know, it, it can help you grow. Jealousy doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like it can, you can channel it to do good stuff. Um, but it's hard because jealousy is not a pleasant emotion to experience. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know. It's just hard. I don't know. Like I'm a very logical person and like, I feel like I have so many like logical arguments for for it but at the same time it's like I just don't know I don't know because at the same time like I do not have a lot of practice as a polyamorous because I pretty much discovered it during quarantine I have not had the chance to like actually see how well my theories hold up um so it could be like I've never had a partner who is also polyamorous so maybe once I have a partner who is polyamorous like then I will start to feel feelings of jealousy and then, you know, maybe gain more perspective and be able to work through them. But I don't know. I just have many logical arguments for why polyamory makes sense to me. And so I just struggled to make sense of people who don't feel the same way, which is maybe just a lack of empathy on my part. I don't know, (laughs) but it's just so really empathetic person though. Um, I don't know. I also, I also am sometimes nervous that like, you know, it's easy for me to say like, oh, polyamory is great. Cause like I have multiple partners, but my partners often don't have other partners of their own yeah. and I would love them to, but often they don't. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy for me to talk about how great polyamory is cause I'm reaping all the benefits and, you know, don't often have instances where I could feel jealousy. However, mm-hmm. Josh, the guy that I just started dating, we were talking the other day and he he was saying he's still dating other people. And I was like, oh, cool, good, awesome. And I didn't have like literally any jealousy at all. I was like happy for him. <laughs> in the few instances that I have had where my partners have had other partners, that's always been my reaction is I've been like super happy. 
I also think it takes pressure off me when my partners are dating other people because it's like I don't have to provide everything for you. Like mm-hmm. you can you can get you know what you need from other places. Like especially like if I'm busy and I don't have time. Like if I'm studying for an exam and you want to do something, you have other people you can go do that with. So yeah, I I am very fortunate in that I don't experience jealousy very often. Yeah, but it's still possible. I mean, maybe someday there will be a day when. You know, Josh tells me he's with somebody else and I'm like, no, (laughs) but I highly doubt it. (laughs) Well, it's just, I don't know. Like, as I've said, I've never really experienced having a partner who is poly. But for me, like the logical, which obviously logic does not always rule or is any more valid than feelings. But like, it's like, if the person likes me and I like them, great. If they also like another person, that does not change that they like me. If they end up wanting to leave me, then why would I want to be with them if they don't want to be with me? Yeah. And also it's like, I don't know, this is also probably an over logicalization of it, but it's like, I don't know. In my mind, it's like, I have such a distinction between like sex and feelings and obviously the two are often and very and maybe always you know involved but like for me especially like through this journey of polyamory and reading sex at dawn it's like I just see sex as like another physical activity and so it's like if my partner has a person who they like to do this activity with how is that any different from having a fishing buddy or (laughs) someone you like to do puzzles with it's like I don't know I don't know yeah so I don't know well I would say similarly for me, often sex does not have to be emotional. There have been a few times when I was with Sebastian, the only guy I've ever really had like a healthy adult monogamous relationship with. There was one time, like three months into us dating, where I don't even know why, but we we were having sex and like toward the end, I just started to cry. And I, I don't know why, but I just got super emotional <laughs> It was weird. And that, that's one of the few times I can remember that like sex got emotional for me. And I literally don't even know what triggered it, but I just had a lot of feelings all of a sudden. <laughs> um, but yeah, typically for me too, sex is just like an activity that feels good and is fun. And like, yeah, I don't, if people want to do it with other people, that's cool too. Yeah. So I don't know. It's so hard. Like, I don't know. I think, okay, maybe there's a difference between like people who want to be monogamous because that it's their preferred style and like they don't they're not really jealous people they just like they only want to need one person and they prefer to be with people who only want to need one person and like that's fine but i think there's a difference between that and like using monogamy as a shield from jealousy like if you are truly monogamous cool but like if you're just doing it to like try to protect yourself from like severe jealousy, then that seems like maybe kind of problematic, but also like, I don't know how easy it is to work through jealousy. So if that's the best solution, then like maybe great. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think monogamy can work for some people and like, it's, it's fine if, if it works for you. I just, I don't, I think at this point in my life, at least with where I'm at, I don't think monogamy really works for me personally, but if it's cool with you, that's fine. (laughs) Going back to boys we met on dating apps, I, um, oh, I don't remember what day it was, but I, I had seen that Roger, this guy who I met on Hinge a while ago and just talked to, never met in person. He had messaged me on Messenger, like a couple of months after we stopped talking and I just like, didn't even look at the messages, but not because I'm interested in him and all. And this was reckless. And I realized this, I was like, I do just, I don't know. I'm just curious what he said. Um, so I like, I don't know if this was successful or not because there's not really a way to check it, but I like, Oh, Oh, I downloaded a Chrome extension that's supposed to like be able to block people from seeing if you've read their messages or not on messenger. Cause you know how it has its red, on (laughs) so i downloaded that i don't know if it worked maybe i should check on that but anyway so i like you could test it with me see if it works with me oh that's true okay do it right now experiment time do you see it yeah it it shows i don't know if you can see on the screen (laughs) okay well that's probably what instigated this (laughs) so yeah your chrome extension does not work (laughs) well maybe i just used it wrong anyway so that's probably what instigated this but i read his messages and 
Well, I guess I could just go back and look at them again since he's already seen that I had seen them. But I don't know. He basically just like gave me an update on his life. And so we did that like a month after we stopped talking. Then two months after we stopped talking, he like sent another update. And then he ended that one with like, goodbye, the one that got away. And I was like, <laughs> okay, oh, You gotta fam. respect the confidence. You gotta respect the confidence. <laughs> no, no, not like he was the one who got away. He was calling me the one who got away. Oh. Or maybe or maybe that's just me being cocky. Let me hear. We'll just go back and, and look at it. He signed it like I am the oh. one that got away. <laughs> that's what I interpreted. He also meant you were the one that got away. I don't know. Well, let me look at the phrasing and see. Okay, it says, you may laugh at this when you see this message in a year or something. Bye for now, comma, the one that got away. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I guess now I don't know. But anyway, after I looked at those messages, like a couple of days later, he messaged me on Hinge and he basically just said like, hi. And so I have ignored that message. So that's where that's at. But anyway, okay, so I guess this kind of changes where it comes from but the phrase the one that got away it just got me thinking of like is that a toxic phrase because like i guess it could kind of mean like i fucked up i I don't know how traditionally used it could mean that like i fucked up and chased you away but like the way it's phrased the one that got away makes it sound like I was hunting you yeah. and you escaped. <laughs> um, so it just seems like a slightly problematic phrase. He, he, I guess Roger wasn't using it to talk about me based on his punctuation. So, you know, good on him. But I don't know, it just made me think that that phrase is now kind of problematic. But I feel like it is usually used with like, I fucked up and therefore I let you like... I pushed you away when you were a good person and we could have been happy. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the phrasing is definitely somewhat problematic. Like it does kind of imply that like I had you trapped and then you escaped my trap. (laughs) But yeah. Also, it's interesting that it is like the one that got away. Whereas like typically most people have multiple people who like they wanted, but it didn't work out. You know, like there's not usually just, Oh, the one that got away. Like it's usually. I feel like that's a very soul matey. Um, approach of like there is one person who Mm -hmm. is for you and if they get away then you're screwed (laughs) (laughs) no soulmate for you (laughs) okay I guess similarly a potentially problematic phrase is I was watching I started the fourth season of are you the one which I know the point of the show is to just find the most problematic people they can and put them all together but like damn do they do it well (laughs) but just like this season multiple people um use the phrase i want someone like men and women use this phrase i want someone who will put me in my place and so okay so my initial reaction was like that's problematic but there's a way it's not um because it's like i I, like honestly i don't know what they are wanting the way that i think it could be a non-problematic phrase is that like i something I look for in a partner is I want somebody who will like be very honest with me. And like, if I am doing something wrong, like call me out on my bullshit and like be very frank with me and not afraid to criticize me. The phrasing put me in my place just sounds kind of weird. Cause it's like, why, like, why do you want anyone to put you anywhere? Like, why aren't you in a place you want to be? Like, So I guess maybe it's just people who like feel that they have little self-control. And so maybe they want somebody who wants more self-control, but like, I don't know, that phrasing just sounded very strange to me. (laughs) I mean, I guess it depends on what you consider your place to be. Like if your place is, you know, queen of the castle, then yeah, put me in my place, worship me. (laughs) I don't think that's how it's being used. I don't know. It was just so weird because like both women and men said it and it was like people who were like very outspoken and maybe like kind of brash. So it's like maybe they also just wanted somebody who would like reel them in when they were kind of getting out of control. But then it's like, I think maybe you should do a little work on kind of like self-control. Maybe maybe that's not something your partner should do. Yeah. Something also potentially problematic was... um. In the third season, they um, there was this couple who was like, I don't know, they were, they were romantically entangled, but they knew that they were not a match as defined by the show. 
And so that always gets weird when that happens because it's like, oh, they have feelings, but like they're not a quote unquote match, um, which is like the, the point of the show. I get it. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so there was so there was this couple and like they knew they weren't a match. So the guy was like talking to another girl. This is kind of the thing we were talking about last time where you said like, unless you explicitly state that you are monogamous, then like it's okay to date other people, which I think is the problem with like, a monogonormative culture because it's like when monogamy is the norm and like default people expect like you to be monogamous, even when you don't like clearly define what that means and where you are in the relationship. So that's a lot of where these problems come from. But anyway, so the guy in the couple kissed another girl and he told about it and she completely wigged out. Like she, she was like, bye bitch, bye bitch, bye. Like she kept saying that. And then she would follow him around and he was like, can we talk? And she was like, no, I don't want to fucking talk to you. But then she wouldn't leave him alone. So it's like, well, you're sending mixed signals. So like, uh, but so anyway, so he like was trying to get away from her and he like went and laid down in bed and she was not leaving him alone. And then she like in some way physically assaulted him. Like, I I don't know if he said that she like scratched him, but she like definitely like hit him with a pillow and like, yes, it is a pillow, but like he got up and he was angry about that. And she like, and like nobody else intervened. This show is okay. The show is kind of ethically problematic because like they are not very good about like stepping in and stopping physical like altercations. But so like he stood up and he was agitated and then she like kept getting in his face and like nobody else was intervening. And so he like put his hand on the back of her neck and like pushed her, like pushed her down onto the bed, like kind of like pushed her away from him and like onto a bed. She didn't get hurt. But after she did, after he did that, everybody was like, dude, that was super fucked up. Like, never put your hands on a woman. And so after that, he, like, left and, like, like he, like, left the show. But that night, he, like, went and stayed in a hotel. And so this is me trying to over-intellectualize something that I probably shouldn't. But it's, like, in that case, I don't know, like, is domestic assault a thing? Yes. Do a lot of women die by their partner? Yes. But like, also there are men who do get abused by their partners and like, that does happen. And so did he do a wrong thing? Yes. But like, at the same time, he was physically assaulted and nobody was going to help him. It seemed like none of the other people, nobody on the show. And so like, he responded with physical altercation and like, is that wrong? Like, yeah, he did a wrong thing, but I felt like there was so much, like, everybody was like, oh, yeah, like, he did such a wrong thing. And, like, nobody talked about how, like, like there were two people and one of them physically assaulted the other and, like, the other person had no protection and, like, there was no governing body that was going to stop them. And so in my way that I like to have contentious opinions, I'm like, I'm like, just because the guy also assaulted the woman does not mean that like both of them are not at fault here. Yeah, I would have said both of them should have been kicked off. Well, first of all, someone should have intervened when he started assaulting him. Like the show should, and I know they don't because it's good television, but like, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, come on. Yeah. Like don't let people get assaulted for good TV. Yeah. Actually, I've been following this TikToker that talks about, um, um, movies and TV shows and just cinema in general. And she was talking about how, like, actually, actresses getting raped on camera is fairly common. Like, she said one time, I think it was actually, oh, you love Quentin Tarantino, right? I should send you this video. There was a Quentin Tarantino film where he... I like his films. I would not say that I love him as a person. I don't know him very well. but (laughs) So there was a film he did, and I can't remember what the TikTok was, but basically he told the male actor to digitally, so with his finger, rape the, the actress so that her emotion would be genuine because she would be surprised. And he did it. And, like, that was seen as okay. Like, after it happened, they were like, oh, method acting. And, like, even the actress was like, yeah, no, it was, it elicited, a, you know, a pure reaction from me. Like, ah, oh, what a brilliant genius director. And it's like, no! Like, <laughs> you were just raped! Holy shit! Like, ah! Uh-uh. 
But apparently this is like somewhat common that like, and especially rape is obviously an extreme example, but like also with like flashing and like, you know, actual um, violence where it's supposed to be stage acting and stuff like that, where they'll, they'll do these like method acting things to, you know, elicit genuine, authentic responses. But it's like, no. Also, as someone who did acting myself, method acting is fucking cheating. Your job (laughs) as an actor is to fake it without actually doing it so if you're actually doing it you're not acting yeah i feel like there's the joke where it's like there are these two actors and they were about to go on stage and they were supposed to be like really out of breath so this one actor goes outside and runs up and down a bunch of stairs and then comes back and is like panting and the other actor's standing there and the panting actor is like what are you doing like how are you gonna like do the scene and the guy's like I'm going to act. Yeah. Yeah. I came here to act and I'm going to act. What a concept. Anyway, to go back to what I was saying first, um, I am not condoning assault, but assault is assault, whether a man does it on a woman or a woman does it on a man, it is bad and everyone should be held accountable for their actions. I mean, it is, you are correct that like women do get assaulted more frequently than men and men are the aggressors of assault more frequently than women are, but assault on men absolutely does happen. And because because it is less common, it is often overlooked. Like people don't pay as much attention to it because it's not common. Um, you know, and a lot of a lot of you know TV shows and movies make jokes out of men getting assaulted. Like there mm-hmm. was a there was a thing I was watching that was like a compilation of like male rape jokes where it was mm-hmm. like comedians that would like you know pretend to be raped by like a friend as a joke. You know, somebody would take like a dildo and shove it up their ass or something, and it would be like a joke in the show and it's like no like you were just raped like ah so yeah the girl should have been kicked off the show too also more importantly the the tv show should have intervened before yeah well like he didn't he yeah the the thing was he wasn't even like kicked off the show like he was like i decided to leave so maybe they did kick him off and he phrased it that way but like well i don't know i I mean if i had been assaulted on a show and no one had stepped up for me i might have left too that's true that's true he was like look if you guys are gonna let me get beat up and not help me i don't want to be here like that's entirely fair the i I was interested in the instagram post you sent me that i think yeah my friend jackie posted it yeah she had a good little post on various animals that are polyamorous which we've talked about before but we can read through some of them because yeah well not just polyamorous but also queer and yeah just you're right queer in general you're right yeah the point was that like queerness and polyamorousness and non-cishetness is like found in nature extensively despite what our modernormative societies would tell us but it was just examples about how like the very cookie cutter monogamy that our that like our society tends to promote as like the only way it's like if like it's basically just like a counterculture counter argument to people who would say like oh like this is the only way found in nature and this is the only natural way it's it was talking about how like like bears often like or like i think giraffes too like often like raise children like in groups of females and like don't really do pair bonding and like they mentioned bonobos Mm -hmm. and how like bisexuality is like very rampant and like homosexuality is also very prevalent in like dolphins so yes whenever you're feeling invalidated remember the gay dolphins are there for you (laughs) and the polyamorous bonobos are in your corner (laughs) we do love the bonobos actually fun story about josh josh lives on a lake and one time he was walking his dog around the lake and he saw a bonobo in a tree we do not live in an area native to bonobos but (laughs) it turns out there is actually a bonobo reservation not far from here which i didn't know existed but apparently we have one and the bonobo just like escaped so he called like when he saw the bonobo in the tree he was like monkeys are not native to where i live what the fuck is this so he like googled stuff and like found out that like yeah there was a reservation so he called the reservation and was like hey i'm pretty sure i just saw a bonobo in a tree around my lake you might want to come get that (laughs) i guess speaking of bonobos and prehistoric polyamory um I started reading a book called Attachment, which is recommended on a lot of poly reading lists, um, which is about attachment styles, which we have talked about before. But it was interesting because they, one of the things that stayed with me was they said that the secure attachment style 
is like hypothesized to be what like everybody had when we did live in our like prehistoric, pre-agriculture, polyamorous um, societies. And like the secure and anxious attachment styles developed like post-agriculture when we like lived in more uncertain and like less hospitable uh, climates and uh, environments. Um, And so I thought that was interesting because (laughs) it's so interesting because they try uh, they, they like, I feel like they say conflicting things. Cause like on the one hand they say like, you know, all styles are valid and like fine. As long as like you find someone who meets your needs, like whatever they are and you meet their needs, like that's fine. But at the same time, they'll be like, and secure people are like much happier in relationships. And if secure people are with people of other types, then like, they will tend to kind of convert their the other people like to security and like I don't know it's so it's I, I don't know like I don't want to pathologize anything like because I am no expert psychologist but it's so funny because they I just feel like they play this game of like it's valid but also like this one is better and it's like but it's also weird because I don't know how if I. St- fully buy the attachment styles yet because they say a lot of things where it's like I don't know if this applies to like asexual and aromantic and like solo polyamory people because like we do very different attachment styles yeah I don't know but I don't know yeah so the line that just stuck out to me was they were like yeah secure styles was what everybody had back when we lived in our prehistoric times and I'm like yeah, that tracks. <laughs> Story checks out. So I was talking with someone and they said that if they, they had to say what my like main character flaws were, then it would be vain, inconsiderate, stick in the muttery, which is like, <laughs> we'll explain later, paternalistic. And then they said there was a fifth one, but they did not tell me what it was. And she was like, yeah, I think that you're actually kind of a vain person. And I was like, interesting because like i don't know i'm obviously not a very high maintenance appearance person hold on i did google the definition of vain earlier i was gonna say i'm like what does vain vain mean because i would (laughs) i don't know exactly what the definition of vain is so having or showing an excessively high opinion of one's appearance abilities or worth so i guess kind of arrogance but like with regard to appearance specifically so i've been i mean but then i I think have you seen like the tiktoks that are like good for the women who like do think they're hot and sexy and attractive because like you've overcome the society telling you you're not good enough yeah stuff because like it's easier to profit off of insecurity yeah so so that's what is a good thing yeah so that's what i've been kind of trying to wrestle with it because it's like i mean sure overconfidence and arrogance can be bad but like where do you draw that with like the line with that with like self-confidence because like a lot of society like wants you to be insecure and like wants you to conform and so wants you to not like who you are um and like have to shave your facial hair (laughs) yeah and so like like when she said that i was like i mean i like how i look like i'm not gonna deny that like i do and like maybe that goes into vanity i feel like i just like how i look (laughs) so we covered vanity but so for inconsiderate i think that's I don't know. I think there is, it, it's got me thinking of like, like when we were talking about what the meaning of life was, um, when you talk about being a good person, it's like the question, are you a good person? It's like, well, you have to define what that is. And then I will add the second thing of like, you have to ask, what is the point of being a good person? Cause if like, I don't know, I don't know how to not sound like a terrible person saying this, but it's like, I don't know. It's kind of what I was talking about with like pathological altruism. Like there's this thing where it's like, I don't know, like, yes, you should care about other people, but like at what cost to yourself? And like, this is just a thing that everybody obviously has to like deal with. I don't know. It's also hard because we're in a society that, you know, 
causes so much harm that is not directly our fault, but also like if we don't do anything about it, then like it's never going to get better. How do you be a good person in that situation? But also how do you define what being a good person is? And like, what's the point of being a good person if it makes you personally miserable? And how do you even make yourself be a good person if it makes you miserable because like humans only do what they want to do. So I guess in that case, guilt will just have to be stronger than your dislike of whatever it was. And so I was trying to quite the downward spiral over this. I take criticism very (laughs) deeply. I assume everybody is right whenever they criticize me until I find all logical arguments to refute them. Because one of the things I fear the most is hurting other people. And so when people tell me that I've done that, then I go into a spiral. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to be the white guy and play devil's advocate for all these things. So your first point was your vein. I'm going to counter that with Jenny. You're a woman who doesn't shave her legs or her armpits and you shaved your head several times. Like, are you confident well, no. how you look? Yes. And that's great. But you are not like out there to like be better than other people and like all about how you look and your appearance. Well, but the, the, the difference is like, Like vanity doesn't necessarily matter how you look. It's just how you feel about you look. Right. Feel about how you look look good. That is a positive thing. That is not negative. If the definition (laughs) of vain is just that you like how you look, then sure. You're vain. I'm vain. That's not a bad thing. (laughs) I suppose. All right. What was the second one? Uh, inconsiderate. Okay, so you do get in your own head a fair amount of the time, and I will say <laughs> that you often forget to tell people important life things. <laughs> should, but I don't think you're inconsiderate. Like I think, I think you, in in particular, you are in a phase of your life where you are in your early twenties, and in your early twenties, it is important to focus on yourself a lot because you are growing and becoming an adult and like needing to figure out what you want to do with your life. And so it is important at the age you're at to be fairly self-centered. So again, I I don't think, what was the phrase you used? Inconsiderate. I don't think that makes you inconsiderate, but I do think it's important for you to focus on yourself at this point in life. Well, I think also one of my counter arguments to that would be, I think I very much am not a guest culture thing Uh person. And so it's like, if you tell me what you want, I will maybe try to accommodate that. Like I have my own wants and needs. And like, just cause you have different ones does not mean I'm going to bend to yours, but like, I am very much an ass culture person. So if you do not ask me for what you want, yeah, I'm going to make assumptions. And if you don't speak up, then like, what else do you want me to do? And I know that's hard. And I myself have like not spoken up about my preferences before and suffered the consequences. And like, we live in a culture that does not really advocate for speaking up for what you want so like, yes, I'm kind of sorry for that. But also like, I don't know. I don't know. Whenever we talk about ass culture, it's it's hard to pronounce the K at the end. of ass, <laughs> And it always sounds because it blends into ask culture and it's hard to <laughs> double KC sound. Um, so it always sounds like we're talking about ass culture. <laughs> <laughs> the culture of asses. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we have decided you are either not vain or it's okay that you're vain you're either not inconsiderate or it's totally fine that you're inconsiderate right now what was critique number three uh stick in the mud which what the fuck does that mean um i think it referenced a little bit to like i am a very regimented and not a very spontaneous and i am a very practical and logical person and so i'm not saying i don't take that to extremes at times but also what i've discovered about myself is like There's nothing inherently good or bad about spontaneity versus regimentedness. It's what brings you joy. And honestly, like doing things on a schedule, like brings me joy. And like some people like, oh, like you got to relax. And it's like the things that a lot of people define as relaxing, like lying around and watching TV all day. Like I just don't enjoy that. And like, maybe there's something that comes from that, from like anxiety and like, sure, I have to work on that. And, you know, like maybe there's something in that from, you know, living in a capitalistic society that encourages you to produce. Guilty whenever you're not being productive. So that, (laughs) but also like, I don't know, like I've tried it. And even when I don't have other things to do, like I just prefer, and I've I've read this in my um, Myers-Briggs personality type, like I get joy from pursuing goals. Like that's just who I am. 
Um, and so like, I won't disagree that maybe I don't take that to extreme sometimes, but I mean, like, it's just I don't know. I, I mean, you've also done spontaneous things in your life. Like, I mean, we went to Texas. It was pretty spontaneous. We didn't do a ton of planning for that, but yeah. So again, on, on your third point, either you are not a stick in the mud or you are <laughs> in the mud and that's okay. So, so far for all three of these critiques, even if they're correct, they are not negative things. All right. Give me number four. <laughs> number four is paternalistic. Okay. What does that mean? Relating to or characterized by the restriction of the freedom and responsibilities of subordinates or dependents in their supposed interest. And I will replace- In English, please. Yeah. So basically it means restricting, kind of taking away other people's autonomy. When you, like when a toddler is going to stick a fork in an electrical socket and you stop them, like, that is paternalistic because you have restricted their autonomy. I think it's a little fucked up that we, I mean, paternalistic also means, like, father, right? Like, Well, paternal, of, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of fucked up that the definition of, like, fatherhood is restricting autonomy, but okay. <laughs> so in this case, from this friend, it was more so... So I don't know, I think this was more so like re- referencing to like imposing your will on others or I guess somewhat of like cause this this wasn't this this wasn't a separate thing but kind of a combination of all of them is that they said they don't think I'm as open-minded as I claim to be that I like fall into confirmation bias a lot which like as possible. I mean, the human condition is like, you believe in things, you believe in them. And so that's what you do. And also like, all humans are fallible to confirmation bias. Like, maybe I am more so maybe not. I don't know. But it's like, I don't know, I feel like I do have some things that I very strongly believe in. And like, as we talked about, like the monogamy thing, like, I very strongly believe in polyamory. That being said, I can be invalidated very easily and very quickly fall out of that. But it's like, I do kind of struggle to see the point of view of like monogamy because I have thought so much about my own and like, I do truly believe in it. And like, I have a lot. So I like, I think for the things that I have thought a lot about, I am probably less quote unquote open-minded because like, I don't know, I have a fairly fixed opinion on that. And like, it would take a lot to kind of convince me otherwise, just because I have dedicated so much time to it. So I don't know. But anyway, back to paternalism, that was kind of related to like, okay, so for this particular friend, I think a reason they thought that was because one time they had not I was hanging out with them and they told me that they had not left their house in like three days because they were convinced if they left something bad was happen would happen and they had also been in a depressive rut and I was like this is ridiculous you need to leave the house like this is bad for you and so did I steal their phone to try to motivate them to leave the house (laughs) yes is that paternalistic yes can it be problematic yes but also I was just trying to discuss this with mom once about like paternalism and I was like oh you should just let Billy like make his own mistakes and she was like well it's hard because like when you're in a parental role you are somewhat responsible for like their outcomes and so like when do you let them fail and when do you like help them because they need that support and like I'm obviously not my friend's parent and like so maybe I do was acting a bit paternalistic in that sense and like obviously that can get problematic because you should respect other people's autonomy and preference which is kind of the whole point of polyamory so yeah yeah, I, I struggle with the same thing um, where I, my friends have never called it paternalism. They've actually always called me the mom of the group. So oh. it's funny that you call it paternalism. Um, and maybe that's a more correct term. I don't know. But I am always the friend that is like, when we go out to bars, I'm bringing water bottles, making sure people are drinking food. And like, I mean, I do respect people's autonomies to a point, but like there was one time one of my friends was trying to leave a bar by herself and she was going to walk like three miles home. And I was like, fuck, no, you're not doing that. Like, you're not walking home by yourself in the dark for, like, three hours. Like, no. And so I, I like, forced her to uh, get in an Uber to go home. And, like, yeah, I mean, I don't, it is hard because, like, you do want to respect people's autonomy, but you also don't want to let people get hurt. And, like, I mean, you're right that, like, we're not our friend's parents and, like, we're not technically – you know, in a, in a role of direct responsibility for them. But like, I do still care for my friends and I don't want them to get hurt when they don't have to. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a fine line. I think particularly when people are drunk, 
it's it's okay to make <laughs> decisions so they don't injure themselves. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, stealing somebody's phone to make them leave the house. I mean, some people would argue that makes you a really good friend, you know, especially if <laughs> it kind of depends on the outcome. But but I don't know. I think in part it's because you care so much, which is funny because the first critique of you or one of the critiques of you is that you were inconsiderate or whatever. And I think these examples show the opposite. You are very <laughs> considerate and you're concerned for your friends. So I'm either not enough or way too much. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think this is my critique of your critiquers is that they need to make their mind up as to which which thing they think. Okay, yeah, what's the fifth so thing? They wouldn't tell me the fifth thing. They wouldn't tell... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, they only told me the first one, and they were like, this is one of your five. And I was like, what are the other five? And they were like, I'm not going to tell you. And I was like, okay, let me guess. So I guessed the other three, um, and then they wouldn't tell me the fifth one. So maybe Why do your friends out. have a list of... That's weird. <laughs> it was just a conversation. <laughs> but they had, like, a list? Collectively, they all had a list of things. No, no, no this was just one person. Oh. They didn't. This wasn't like an intervention with like Jen. Okay, that's your what I thought. Clause. I was like, why do your friends have a list of five things? That's weird. <laughs> no, this was just a conversation I was having with a friend. It's still kind of weird for one person to have, but yeah, that's that's kind of a weird thing for a friend. Like, I don't have mental lists of all of my friends. <laughs> like, of, oh, this is all of their character flaws. Like. I mean, I don't mind that they do. And honestly, like, as we went back to like the problematic put me in my place phrase, like if people have critiques of me, like I want to hear about them and discuss them. Here's what I would counter instead of phrasing it as like, I want someone to put me in my place. I want someone to hold me accountable. Right. Like I want someone to tell me. That's the healthy way to phrase it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want people to be a dick to me. I want people to hold me (laughs) accountable when, you know, my actions are bad but i don't want them to have mental lists of all my character flaws i mean i don't know like i i i despite being perfectionist like i know i'm not perfect so like i'm not here saying i am perfect but no i don't know it's still kind of weird i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it is good to have friends who hold you accountable though um, yeah. Jackie definitely holds me accountable on a lot of things. Like a lot of times I'll be complaining and she'll do a privilege check and I'm like, you write, you write. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app. If you really like us, like, like, like us, send this episode to a friend, family member, partner, your boss, anyone else in your social circle, the people you want to convert to polyamory, start a conversation. (laughs) Feel free to send us any comments or questions over social media. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.